Go down into your storage room and crack open an ice-cold, caffeinated Pepsi. You're listening to Pligonometry. This is a family podcast where each week I sit down with a member of my huge family and we talk about what it's like growing up in polygamy. What's up, guys? How's it going? I'm so glad you guys are listening and tuning in. Uh, hopefully the last three episodes of the CES Letter Review with Sarah uh, you enjoyed. Uh, really enlightening stuff for me personally. Um, but uh, we're back to kind of like normal conversation, sit-down episodes. And um, I have been holding on to this episode for a while. It's been my pack. It's been in my pack pocket uh, for a long time. Not my pack pocket. But when you think about it, most pockets are kind of small little backpacks. Um, but anyway... Uh, I've been holding on to this one because I wanted to publish it after all of the episodes with my grandpa were, were done and published. Uh, and I thought, you know what? Might as well just put it out there. Um, she is honestly, okay, the guest that I have on the show this week, okay, think about this, right? Imagine the warmest, nicest hug in the world, right? Where you feel complete, right? And you like have a single tear go down your face because that's just exactly what you needed in that moment, right? And you and like all your vulnerabilities come up, but they're soothed and you're just taken care of. That kind of hug in human form is my next guest, okay? She's the best, dude. She's so awesome. I love her so, so, so much. And you know what? That's all I'm going to say about it. I really hope that you guys have an absolutely wonderful time with my mom's dad's third wife, or if you really want to be honest, one of my grandmas. I, I, what was it like for you growing up in polygamy in Utah? Because you were in Utah, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. You can you can tell me whatever childhood stories you want or whatever. I just want to know. I just. I, I'm curious. My childhood wasn't all that different from other people's. It was, uh, although, you know, we lived on a property where the all we had five families together, but they all had separate dwellings. Okay. And these are, so, these five families were your father's families? Yes. Okay. And we had, uh, I had siblings that, half siblings so we all kind of saw each other every day but we weren't on top of each other and um went to school in public school um didn't have any horrible stories yeah so yeah we weren't we weren't wealthy by any stretch um my mom was house cleaning okay for a living as were my other mothers mostly and they were the ones that put the food on the bread on, brought the bread home to eat, and mm-hmm. we. But I didn't feel deprived as a kid. We had, yeah. we had, we didn't have all the luxuries that other kids had, but we had what we needed. Yeah, needs know. were being met. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we had fun. We had 
really great times as kids. Like you talked about playing um, with when when you were interviewing Devin, you talked about playing over the can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did that as a kid. Yeah, with the whole neighborhood. Oh We'd yeah, bring in not only our five families but the kids down the street and it's a big old night games. Yeah, just, just have a yeah. blast. I'm yeah. glad that's. I'm glad that we weren't the only ones. You know, because I mean, just being a you know a little kid, you think that like, oh yeah, we came up with this game, but it's always been around. Yeah, you know, you always think that you're the only ones that have done it, but yeah, I think kids nowadays probably miss out on it because if you're not if you're if you don't have your cousins around or you don't have neighborhood where it's conducive to everybody, all the kids getting together, it's, mm-hmm. you really kind of miss out. Yeah. There's definitely something that is missed with, with that being gone because at least in my opinion, it's, it's your a being active, which is healthy. Right. And you're also learning social nuances mm-hmm. through playing with a bunch of people. You know, you kind of learn whatever role you take and whatever that is, it is. And, and everything, but you, there's a lot of learning to be done in the larger sense of um, playing around with kids your age. Yeah. And yeah. when we're all isolated, and I mean, right now it definitely sucks with isolation and everything, but, you know, even if COVID wasn't a thing, I think kids would just be hanging out. And I mean, well, there's there's like extra curriculars and, and that kind of stuff that kind of help yeah, with that. Yeah, we didn't have school sports. We didn't really get involved in school. So they were there, but we didn't get involved with it because it generally required money to play. Yeah. And so we would, we found other things to do. We'd ride our bikes and we would, um, you know, go out and um, play in the sandbox and build Mm -hmm. blocks. And, you know, we just, we were outdoor kids most of the time. Yeah. So you you mentioned there was five separate dwellings, right? Yeah. So what was your dwelling like? Uh, We, it was a trailer. Um, It was the only trailer of the five. Uh, the rest were, were stick brick and stick homes. Mm-hmm. Um, three bedroom trailer. My mom had a lot of kids in that trailer, but I was one of the youngest. I'm the youngest. I'm the ninth of ten kids. Okay. And so I remember when I was really little, we had my mom. My older siblings had the two had two of the bedrooms. My mom had the other one, but us little kids had we slept with my mom half the time Mm. dad wasn't there every night so um we slept with her and then if the her bed got too full of kids (laughs) of of bodies we slept on the couch and yeah uh we took turns just bodies everywhere then yeah it wasn't like i said it wasn't we took turns and we kind of had we got into a routine and you just your own system Yeah. yeah you just made it work yeah wow that's yeah. so cool in a, in a very unique way. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, being able to, to share that time with your mom and everything. So, uh, your dad was around like every fifth night then. Well, he had, he had up to eight wives at one time. Oh, okay. And I didn't know that the five families lived together, um, on that property, but there was another piece of property worth a sixth wife. And then we had, um, the others that were, um, lived elsewhere. Okay. So, and we would get together usually on Sundays. Sundays was always a big family day. So the whole kit and caboodle would show up and just mm, be around as together. As many as could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd have family Sunday schools and we would, well, it was a really positive, fun time for us as a kid because so, everybody would get together and we would just mm-hmm. play and visit and there was always um, good food, 
Well, you know, moms would make, you know, like kind of potluck style and we'd yeah. all, you know. I think there's so, there's so many people that are probably listening to this that know exactly what's that, what that's oh, yeah. like. You know, you just get together and bring something and we all eat everything. Yeah. 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 So it's, I don't have any complaints at all. In fact, we had, had great relationships with my siblings and, um, they were our best friends for the most part. Mm-hmm. It takes a village, but the yeah. village is just a family. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah. we had cousins that lived down the street. So those were some of my best friends too. And, mm-hmm. um, and then as we got into older, we, you know, started attending public school. Yeah. Started to get friends outside of the, outside of our family, but that was a little awkward because I, I didn't like to, you know, tell everybody about my lifestyle and we okay. weren't unknown as, I mean, people knew that there was plagues that lived in, out across the river and then so, plagues across the river. <laughs> so I didn't advertise it by any stretch. And we had a few people in school that would kind of treat us. I was bullied a little bit, but okay. by the time I was bullied, I was in junior high and I was big enough to know how to, I, I just instinctively would ignore them and eventually they went away. Okay. Yeah. Just kind of the, you know, basically I know that this is not the, the most original thing, obviously, but bullies bully for the reaction yeah. a lot of times. And if you don't give them the reaction, then you just lose interest. Yeah. That's kind of what happened yeah. with my, like I said, it was just an instinctual thing. I yeah. didn't know how else to handle it and I didn't want to oh, okay. fight. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. We had, um, it was good times. Um, I remember one time I had a friend from school and she won like it, they would all go to each other's houses and whatnot. And I was always embarrassed to have them come to my house cause we lived in a trailer and I didn't want to, Oh, you didn't want to bring them home. I didn't want to bring them home. Oh, okay. Um, the one time I did have someone drop me off at my house, I had him drop me off at my aunt's house or one of my other mother's house. Cause it was a stick house and I yeah, I was embarrassed about the trailer part of it. Oh really? Yeah. You didn't want to have the perception that you lived in a trailer. Yeah. Oh, but okay. But, you know, as a kid, you kind of like that whole thing about being embarrassed by your parents and things. It was yeah. kind of a real thing for me. I was, okay. didn't want people to see my mom with me. And, and do you think that goes back to the idea of um, privacy and not divulging the information out of fear of the feds coming in and scooping everybody up? Not for me, no. It was more of the idea of judgment. Mm. I don't want to be judged. Yeah. When, when I was working in uh, wilderness therapy, uh, I made the mistake of telling one of the kids I was working with that the um, other members of the group who were going through the same thing and, and everything else wouldn't judge him. This was right in front of his therapist. And his therapist put his hand up in between me and he like was like close to my chest. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just say? And I was like, I just said that, I don't know, you're not going to judge him. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And he was like, that's the most inaccurate statement I've ever heard in my life. Really? This kid's this therapist said to me, and I'm supposed to be like this liaison yeah. between the kid and the therapist because I work with them all week and everything. And the therapist put me in my place. Wow. And I was like, no, that's bullshit. The kid, other kids will judge you. And he's talking to the kid at this point. The other kids will judge you. Everyone will judge you. You can't help it. It's a human, it's a human instinct to judge. That's yeah. how you stay alive, right. you know? And so the reason why I mentioned that story is that like, 
I've experienced the same thing of being, you know, bullied in whatever various way that it was. I wouldn't say that I was like bullied. I was definitely mistreated and looped into the polygamist part. Um, and you mentioned that like going down to public school is when that started. And did that follow you all the way through until up until you got married and kind of left or? Yeah, kind of. Um, I always just kind of kept two separate lives. Oh, like really? I had, I had okay. my life at school that was, you know, my just I just tried to be kind of one in the crowd, and mm-hmm. and then I had my life that was all about my family and my church, and I would go to girls' class and get mm-hmm. really involved with youth activities, but none of, none of the the two never crossed. Oh. Um, school dances, I wasn't interested at all in school dances because the type of dancing they did was more boogieing and oh, because it was during the eighties and. I really enjoyed going to the church dances where we did um, Virginia reels and oh yeah, the square dancing, the square and the, dancing and the ballroom type ballroom of ballroom and the waltzes and the decorations and I mean it was a really active, active time for that youth program. I don't know if they're still doing those types of things, but okay, it was it was just my life. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So I uh, <laughs> when you're talking about dances. It reminds me of uh, the first time I ever went to a public school dance. Um, and I was just scared to death of doing anything because I had this, you know, holier than thou attitude. And I was like, you guys are being so immoral with your dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and obviously it's, that doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but it's kind of a weird mentality to jump into or to, to witness with the mentality that you have. Of, of seeing the, the the different types of ways to express yourself mm-hmm. to music where we're used to, you know, Oh, Johnny, Oh, Johnny, Oh, uh, or, you know, the bullets, Capoca and all these various dances that right. might, you know, and jumping into something that's completely foreign. Were you nervous and stuff going to see those and going to those dances? Uh, the school dances? I never yeah. did. Oh, okay. That's what you said. My Didn't bad. go to a single school dance and, um, I, did, I just wasn't interested. The yeah. idea of socializing uh, at that level with my fellow classmates didn't interest me at all. Mm. Okay. It was my my social life was with the church and with my family. Yeah. What's up? C H R I S. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying. Um, just that my social life was with my family and my church most of the time, and I didn't I didn't cross the as as much as I tried to be friends with kids at school mm-hmm. and tried to get along with everybody and hobnob. I just never shared my personal life with them. Okay, that distance. Yeah. Keep it private. Keep yeah. it away. But did you feel any sort of like shame around it? No, I just knew I was different. Oh. I knew I was different, and um, so I just kind of let it be that way and I was I was totally confident in what I was I just didn't feel a need to share and I've kind of carried that over into my adult life too mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to go out and share everything about me but if people ask me I, I don't mind talking about it but yeah but I don't and now you come on my podcast <laughs> I'm gonna have to come out of the closet <laughs> yeah let everybody know yeah 
that's something that uh, I've gotten criticized for a ton. Uh, just one of those pieces, not criticized. It's not a ton as well. I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, but um, yeah, like the, you know, accusing me of uh, hanging out everyone's dirty laundry mm-hmm. has been something that I've heard being said about doing this podcast and stuff, but. I don't feel that way. I think you've done a really good job of just letting people talk and tell their stories. And I've found out that every, people need to tell their stories. And not that I, I always felt like my story was unimportant hmm. um, in comparison because I have 500 cousins and um, yeah. 50 brothers and sisters. And it's like. Well, you're 50. I have over 50. So, brothers and sisters from your same father, how many are there? Um, Last time you counted. <laughs> I have, there was 50 of us that were, um, and it was exactly even, I think it was 58. And then we had, my dad married another woman who had children of her own from another marriage. And so. And brought them into the fold. Brought the number up, you know, and, but we still considered them siblings and. Okay. Even though they weren't technically. And, um, so. I, I would I honestly couldn't tell you the exact number because I haven't really thought about it too much, but it's about 58. 50, 58? Give or take yep. a, a few human beings? Yep. <laughs> That's insane to me in a, in a yep. weird way because if you were to say like that number to me 14 years ago, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. I always felt as though I was out of, not out, how do I say it? I felt like I was always kind of the outlier with my family because there was mm-hmm. only four of us. Yeah. It's like, come on, Jake, those are rookie numbers. Like, get that up. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you stopped at four? Yeah. Why would you stop at four? <laughs> you can do 48 more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 48's a bit much. Um, but I, as a kid, it was just the way it was. And we loved each other. We, all of my siblings, we had a connection. Every yeah. single one of us. I mean, I could run into my... So I was at the youngest end of the family, and I had siblings that were 30 years older than I am, and I could run into them, and they would acknowledge me as a sibling. And That's so cool. Even though we didn't exactly have a personal relationship, because maybe they were often married and... Had their own life anymore. and everything, yeah. They still, We still acknowledged each other, and we'd yeah. get together occasionally at you know family functions and whatnot, and... There was always a connection. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that idea of family, I think, and we were chatting last night about it a little bit, but um, the idea that family is a priority more so in the way that we grew up in a weird way comparative to people who don't live this lifestyle and how that is almost more important than anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I always have the, you know, duty to God, duty to your family and duty to yourself in that order. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you take care of that first one, it usually means you're doing the other two as well. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was for me, it was just, we just loved each other and we, the drama didn't get too crazy. And so, I mean, it was there mm-hmm. like definitely, it got a little crazy as I became an adult. Yeah. Um, and the religion started getting a little wacky as far as people starting to make their own choices and hmm. what do you mean by po- wacky politics involved in 
Well, my dad was um, a council member in the group. Yeah. And he wasn't very liked by a lot of people because he, I, I don't know all the reasons why, but he wasn't a pushover. Um, yeah. And he probably spoke his mind and, and didn't, uh, he's, he's not what I would call a bull in a china shop, but he was, um, he'd stand up for himself. Okay. And, um, and that led to him not being very well liked within the council itself or just as the, well, the community as, at large? No, not by the community at large. I would say, I would say that there began to be politics within the council and I couldn't even tell you what those all are. Um, and I suspect a lot of it, um, began around the time, like when Rod talked about the, uh, Virginia Hill case, mm. um, I think there was a lot of, and it, and it certainly before that time, um, well, definitely before that time, if, cause that's just one episode in all the politics that have gone on. But mm-hmm. before that there was episodes of, um, you know, the rule and all red murder and, mm-hmm. um, people coming and going there was, um, Oh shoot. What's his name? John Ray mm-hmm. came into the group, made yep. a big old, big, he was, big he, huge impact. He caused a splash. Oh yeah. To say the least. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the split and then the raids. And I mean, that's definitely been, not been a non-dramatic history. By it's a side. very, tumu- it's very tumultuous really, you know, when yeah. you talk, you throw all that stuff in there. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this is because so many people don't know about it. You know, I would say the majority of humans don't know about this, right? Yeah. And this is just kind of one of those you know, avenues to kind of tell this story that I find super, super interesting. You know, I don't believe in the religion anymore. I don't practice it, obviously. And I don't have the example of my dad having more than one wife and, and all that thrown into it. But uh, when I talk to some of my cousins and, and guests that have been on the show before, um, off mic, we compare the story and history of the group to like it's like probably an entire show that is very similar to game of thrones as far as like the backstabbing and the politicking and the craziness and all this mm-hmm. stuff that just that weaves into this crazy tapestry of a story that is yeah. just so insane if we got into the details of it and so my hope is to sit down with folks and it's, I, the reason why i say tapestry is because every single thread is a person's story within it itself and the more I do, the more context and understanding surrounds this crazy group that I grew up in. Well, I think it's no different than any other microcosm group or even the whole country of the United States in general. I mm-hmm. think you always have, the majority of people are good people. I would agree. They're fantastic people and they're good. They, they want to do what's right and they're doing the best they can. But you have some who are more sinister than others. You have some that are maybe narcissistic or um, power hungry, whatever. And those are the people that churn the waters, I guess, if you want to say. And and the rest of us kind of try to get around all that. Yeah, 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 you're right. It's so nuts to know that there's just... I mean, I don't even know if I'm even the one who's capable of telling all of it. Um, have you ever listened to Hardcore History 
by mm-hmm. Dan Carlin. I uh-uh. think you'd like it. Um, but it's this podcast where he just goes and goes into depth, like super, super depth about various things. There's one on World War II that is incredible. Um, but I'm not comparing myself to Dan at all. <laughs> and Dan, if you're listening, you're the best. But, um, but yeah, it's just, I think that there's something to be, to be told within the context of this group. And you're right about, you can expand the history and the craziness and the backstabbing and all this politicking and stuff in the AUB to the U.S. or mm-hmm. the history of Switzerland or, or whatever. There's always right. a really cool story, and that's what makes our experience on this planet so cool is that once you start paying attention to things, it starts to take on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And, For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so you you go through high school. You are, and I'm assuming, obviously, that you've been living this lifestyle, that that was always just what you did is you were going I, to be in polygamy. Was that, was that the case for you? Um, it wasn't expected of us necessarily. It was, it was taught to us that that was, it was the, the, it was taught to us that it was a principle that was a, a godly principle and, mm-hmm. and that if we wanted to, you know, attain the highest kingdom or whatever, that that's what we need to do. Yeah. But um, for me personally, I just knew innately that I would, I didn't, I didn't have a, anybody telling me this is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always knew that I would be an older man. I, you just knew that? I just knew that. I wasn't even attracted to younger men. Oh, really? That were my age. They were, they were great friends. Yeah. Yeah. But I was never, and the thoughts of dating them just didn't, didn't ever enter my mind. Wow. So, um, and I don't know why. I just, I just, it was something that I knew. Yeah. Just knew about yourself. I knew about that about myself. And uh, so as my, as we got into dating age and my friends started dating and whatnot, I, I prayed really strongly to, um, so that I would be guided to who, you know, my, my soulmate. Yeah. Um, and one, at one point I had a dream. Oh, tell me this dream. Um, where I was told who I was going to be married. Told the name. Seriously? Uh, and I didn't, it was not a dream that I visually saw anything, but I it was, was just, told, it was a voice. The still small voice kind of but it idea. Was very, very powerful. Okay. And as soon as I heard the name, I immediately freaked out. Okay, so tell me the dream. That what, was it. it was just like you fell asleep and you were. You, you will marry so and so. And I was like, and I'm immediately like this freak out emotion. I'm like, no, no You're, way. No way, no way. No so, way. Because I knew who it was. So that was the no way as in like, no way. I didn't way. like him. Oh, okay. I didn't like him. Oh. And, uh, but when I woke up, the name was taken from my memory. I did not know the name when I woke up. I knew I every I remembered every ounce of detail about the dream, but I could not remember the name. Wow. I but I remembered the emotion that I would, someone I did not like. Oh. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm in for it now. That's a really interesting thing. So you you you, in the dream you were you, there was the name, but then you when you wake up that was the memory that was or the part of the memory that was uh, uh, taken away or you know omitted, but you still remember the feeling of being like. Ah. Yeah. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. That's so crazy. 
But, you know, thinking about the age difference, it is a large... I mean, my husband's 30 years older than me. I mean, that's that's extreme in my mind. Yeah. I wouldn't encourage anybody to do that unless they really, really knew what they are doing or, or had a... The strongest feeling possible that right. that was the thing to do. Um, but it also wasn't, like, unheard of in my family. Like, my... Yeah. My grandmother was third wife to my grandfather, and she there was an age difference there, and I don't know, remember exactly what it is, but I think it must have been at least 20 years. Yeah. Um, my mother was um, 13 years younger than my dad. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily encouraged in my family. I know okay. there's other families where they you know, the, the child brides and all that happened. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware of those, but my mom, my dad did never encourage any of that. In fact, if anything, they would have discouraged me from it. Yeah. But it was, it was where I was led to go. Yeah. So you, you felt this inkling towards this older man and you didn't know who it was. No, but I mean, no, I knew who it was. I, okay. knew, I knew that I knew him. Okay, but you didn't know the name. But I could not remember the name. I knew it was acquaintance of someone that I knew. So you had this weird kind of cloudy, like, I know I know this guy, but the name, and did you see, like, his face, or, or like... I, um, I probably did, and, you know, it's funny, because after I became engaged, the memory came back. Oh, was that like a reaffirmation of, of that kind dream, of. a validation? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know. It just felt like a leap of faith in a long, in, in a big way because, um, but I also knew that we were drawn to each other. And it yeah. was like, um, I didn't really have a choice. It was like it was almost fate. Oh, okay. And, and what's funny, <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt, sorry. Um, when There might be some people who say like, oh, I didn't really have a choice. They're going to be like, wait a second, yeah. arranged marriage, yeah. you know, start to freak no, it out. I like that. I knew I could have backed out. Yeah, but you just felt so strongly that that was the way that it was, that it started to turn into this idea of destiny, fate. Yeah. It had yeah. to be that way. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. I want to make sure that the people that might be listening don't know. <laughs> In fact, when I, when I told my sister that I... Um, was engaged <laughs> this is the sister that's two years older than I am and mm-hmm. uh, she slapped me across the face she slapped you <laughs> she slapped you she slapped me <laughs> it's the first and only time she ever slapped me and I, I immediately just started crying I got tears in my eyes and, yeah. and then she realized I was serious oh and so she was th- she was thinking that you were joking and she didn't appreciate maybe, the joke maybe <laughs> to the point where she did slapped you <laughs> <laughs> my sister and uh but she 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 immediately saw that i was serious about it and and then gave me a hug but oh yeah but yeah that my family doesn't wasn't necessarily thrilled about and i think it was mostly the age difference yeah that was kind of the biggest hurdle for them yeah and um you know rod's not the easiest guy to you people either love him or hate him 
you should have just barely seen his face. You said the first half of that sentence and he got really big eyes. Yeah. And then he said, yeah, you love him. He's got a shrug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So oh. I'm curious, uh, the story of your romance with grandpa, uh, how it started, where it, I mean, I know where it ended up obviously, but like kind of give me the origin story of, of your relationship with him, if you're willing to. Well, I don't want to get too weird on everybody because it is weird. Oh, get weird. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Like I said, I would never, ever recommend any other person doing what I did. Okay. Mm. Okay. I was 16. All right. And he was 30 years your senior. He was 30 years my senior. He was 46. Yep. Okay. And, uh, um... Like I said, we were just I, we just had a connection, and 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 like I said, the the lifestyle. He had two other wives, mm-hmm. and the life and they were all equally. They were all have age. They're older than I was too. Mm-hmm. So, but we just kind of started talking and getting to know each other, and um, we he he ended up organizing a trip, a youth trip mm-hmm. to Israel, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to go on that, and uh, it was interesting. Because at that point, I I had liked this other guy in the group for a long time. Mm-hmm. Was he kind of the closest thing you, that you had to that idea of that dream? No, it was just another guy that I liked. Oh, like, I okay. kept like telling Heavenly Father in my prayers, I'm like, come on. Come on, God. Help me out with this one. Come on, God. You, I know you can do this. <laughs> Help a girl out. But I, kept, <laughs> I remember one time I was like, I just got to know. I mean, it was just something I just knew in myself, like, nope, he's not the one. That's not it. And it was on that trip where he finally asked me out, <laughs> but I had already this gotten o- the note. This other, this, this other, other guy. guy. Oh, wow. And I was like, dang, if you're going to ask me that, you know, oh. a year ago, <laughs> I would have jumped at it. Yeah. I had to tell him no. I'm like, there's no point, so you're there's in, no point it, in dating when I knew it wasn't the right. You're in language. Israel and he asks you out. Where did he ask you out? In Israel. I don't remember. Just some just random spot that you guys went to go. Random spot. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we had an experience in Israel that was kind of unique. I thought um, we were, we were at um, we were touring downtown Jerusalem, downtown old Jerusalem, um, and the whole group had kind of split off and gone their different ways and um, started just walking around the city. Walking around the city, um, there was a lot of shops and things like that, and we kind of split up. And we it was getting time to co- to meet back at the at the van, and um, I was kind of a free spirit, and I was with my friend, and we we took off down this alleyway. Of course, mm. Rod, being a bodyguard guy, <laughs> saw us go down the alleyway, and he's like, "What are they doing? You know, I need yeah. them to go back to the van." And what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> But we took off and went down this alleyway, and we ended up around in the corner. We ended up, there was an old Jew, I don't know, old, he wasn't that old. Um, he was a Jewish rabbi looking with the big forelocks and okay. everything in all full garb. Okay. Um, and, and he motioned us to come in. To his, his, he was at like in the well, door frame? No, or what? yeah, through the door frame. It was like Wait, an open. You're, you're talking about you and your girlfriend. Angie was with us. Oh, she Yeah. And anyway, so he followed us in, and, and we were around in this corner. It was kind of an open 
door frame like with the old um architecture it wasn't mm. in, it wasn't enclosed and in, indoor but yeah yeah i know what you're talking about okay so he motions us to come through and he's got this thing set up with all these candles on this table okay and um he has rod and i come over and we light these he has us light these candles and we're holding these candles and then we he has us facing each other with these candles you and grandpa yeah and and then he starts praying over us like, and I don't know what his prayer was because it was in Hebrew and I didn't I didn't know the language but I could re- recognize certain words um, Abraham Isaac and Jacob and this oh, you know, wow. specific words like this and then we ah. walked away, and then we finished and put the candles down and we're kind of like what Whoa. just happened <laughs> and uh, so we walked away from that and went back we were just dumbfounded like we didn't speak at all coming back we're like what and then, but later happened? on, we're like, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd swear he just married us or something. That's what I felt like. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so some random rabbi yeah. in a random alleyway in a random street in Jerusalem kind of marries you. I don't know. That's just what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Wow. Just, That's crazy. It's just weird. <laughs> but. Whoa. Yeah. He, uh, we went, that was in November and then, um, things kind of went on and off after we got back. Um, between you and grandpa. Yeah. And okay. I, I broke it off with him in February. I says, yeah, I'm just not, not, it just wasn't fitting. Not ready or not you. fitting or whatever. So yeah. I broke it off. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you guys go to Israel? What time of year? November, 1989. Okay. November 89. You guys go to Israel. February. So you guys were kind of off and on between November and then in February you were like, yeah. Okay. And then, um, right after I broke it off with them, I had a dream, another dream. And in this dream, I saw my daughter, Laura. I didn't, and now I know who, who she was in the dream, but at the time it was this little girl Mm. with her curly, dark, dark curly hair. Like she has. Yeah. And she was about three years old, and she was playing hide-and-seek. And she kept saying, where are you, Mommy? Mm. And she was in the dream. She was just like she was finding me. It was definitely her. Yeah. And I don't remember all the other details about that dream, but I knew that that dream was an answer for me. Anyways, I bumped into him a, a week or to, so later, and I, I just said, you know, mm. We need Let's to do, do this. It. We need to do this. Let's do it. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's so, so cool. And it was like not even four or five days later, he went to my dad and talked to my dad about it. My dad came to me and said, uh, this guy's going to ask you to marry him. I said, no, he's not. <laughs> After he you had already said, yeah, let's get married. Well, I didn't say let's get married. I said, I'm ready to kind of take whatever. To, to pursue the next, the step. next step. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But for Grandpa, that next step was yeah, like a green yeah. light to get married. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize. Of course, of course. So I told my dad, I'm like, nah, that's not what he means. Oh. Just, you know, yeah. we're going to court or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, that's the conversation we had. Yeah. Well, the next day he asked me out on a we like he said we went to the dream mine and he asked me to marry him 
went on a picnic to the dream mine. Yeah. And I said yes. And he's like, and then I'm like, crap. And he goes, what? And I goes, I told dad you weren't going to ask me. <laughs> he's like, well, I told him I was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So you got, and that was a few weeks later. So that, that was, was in, like a week later. Oh, a week later. So you're February, March ish. It was March. March. Okay. March 10th. Actually, no, it was, um, he asked me to marry him on St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And, um, the rest is history. There you um, go. I had. So you got engaged in March. Yep. And then you got married in June. And you're a bride for all your life, as they say in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> so they say. So they say. Yep. Um, and you got married in 1990. Mm-hmm. And then my mom got married in December of yep. 1990. So you married you married my mom's dad in the yep. same year that my mom got married. Yep. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little surreal. Yeah. Um, like I said, I I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. In fact, I had a, a family member who. Oh, uh, about 15 years ago, she said she was going to get married to a, a plural man, a man who was already married and mm-hmm. a little bit of an age difference, not as much as mine. And I just like, my heart sunk. I'm oh, like, really? No, don't go down that route. She's like, why? You did it. And I just said. <sighs> so what was about, what was about, what, what, sorry, what was it about her situation that made your heart sink? This life's hard. And it was hard marrying a man. No, the age difference was was hard. Yeah. Um, and having sister wives was hard. Yeah. And as much as I I loved them. Yeah. As much as uh, we we were friends. Mm-hmm. I had incredible sister wives. They were very good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just I was young and immature, and I didn't have that opportunity less necessarily to grow with my husband he was already done <laughs> yeah and yeah so it, you know i've made a lot of mistakes along the way for that reason yeah um but it's just it's kind of a hard life and as much as it's as it's, it's as hard as it is good it's both it's both it's both it's definitely both it's really interesting and i, I really appreciate you saying that because you are actually the first uh, plural wife that I've had sit down with me, so you're 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 the first one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, and I appreciate your perspective so much on that. And I'm hopefully going to be interviewing and sitting down with not only more uh, polygamous men but polygamous women as well. But yeah. I think that's something the the difficulty of this lifestyle is something that is not lost on anyone. I think everybody could acknowledge. Yeah. that living this lifestyle is extremely difficult. And so I really appreciate you saying it's as good as it is hard. Yeah. So what about it was good for you? Oh, the the camaraderie and the friendship with two other women that um, are always at your back. Mm-hmm. They were um, always there for conversations to, you know, we'd get together and half the time it was about our husband and laughing and whatever about him and, coming to understanding a little bit about that and and, mm-hmm. and about the kids and just sharing life together. You always had someone there that wasn't, it's like having a best friend that you were living with all the time. Yeah. 
And no, it wasn't always easy because then there there are jealousies that you come up with. Mm. There's um, there's kind of an expectation of well, you're doing that with your kids and your family, so then my kids look at that and they think they need it, and but I like no, that's them, you know. So it's kind of this always tug and pull mm. okay. going on. Was there ever times? I'm, I'm assuming the answer to this question is yes, but was there ever times of uh, where you were trying to come to some sort of uh, middle ground between how you parented your kids, your biological kids, and the parenting style of your sister wife or sister, sister wife's parenting style? Did that ever come to some sort of head anywhere um, or anything like that? Just took, the differences in how you raise kids? It took time to get that going uh, only because again I was young mm-hmm. and I had a completely different type of upraising than they did they, they mm-hmm. were from different backgrounds and um, but honestly my husband was a great mo- mediator mm. um, he was able to see the differences and he really acted as a buffer between any conflicts that came up I don't think that's the case in a lot of um plural families i think the husbands aren't always mediators my dad wasn't he wasn't oh Um, he wasn't around too much he had he we saw him once every once a week you know yeah at that um and so the sister wives had to work work out ways to deal with and communicate with each other without him whereas my situation was very different hmm yeah, I've always been under this weird assumption that polygamous men would be really good hostage negotiators for like the FBI. <laughs> some are, some are. Some, yeah, and I'm glad that you said that because I've, of course, I've been very, very fortunate to have is like the polygamous men that I have directly been encountered with in my life. Grandpa being one, a few uncles, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. Like, I have nothing but respect for those men, you know, and just the way that they handle it you know, whether they come from my dad's side of the family or my mom's side of the family, it's always been like, yeah, these guys can, they're like a lion tamer in the circus, man. They can work wonders that I can't even comprehend <laughs> in regards to, you know, settling down, you know, escalated emotions between his various wives and, and, and Rod, kids and stuff. Rod, you could have called him a lion tamer. Um, in some ways he just drove me crazy because he never let anything fester. Never. So if you had an issue, it got dealt with fairly quickly. Yeah. And I'm the type of person that I I, I need to walk away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would fester for a little while before I finally dealt with it. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't ever let that. Um, and and that was I have to admit that was a good strategy. Yeah. Um. Because things did get dealt with fairly quick and. Mm-hmm. You didn't build up resentments too much, and so dealing with the problems as they arose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that you're right in saying that. You know, there's might be some families that don't have that because of the the idea that I don't want to offend, I don't want to get under their skin, even though you, they are already under yours in whatever fashion that takes. And then, I mean, this is just speaking from my experience in mental health stuff. Like the more you let those negative emotions or the, or not negative, but uncomfortable emotions 
sit down and like the word that you said was fester. I think that's a perfect way to describe mm-hmm. it because it just sits and it just rots inside mm-hmm. you and it just gets like, and the only way that you can deal with it is by letting it out and expressing yourself and how frustrated you are and, you know, say your piece and then you come to some sort of compromise if you can and you do what you can to get there and sometimes it doesn't work and takes a lot longer than yet some other situation. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like dealing with those problems in the moment is a lot healthier than letting it sit. Yeah, it's definitely healthier, definitely harder. Mm. Yeah. So, because you have to face, you, you just have to face things that you'd rather shove down. And, you know, for me, I'm, I realize half the time, I think I remember one time where my sister wives and I actually had a blow up and it was my fault. Like oh. I was just at my wits end and I let them mm-hmm. have it. Yeah. And they were both looked at me shocked. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. I went back and I had to, you know, had to, I apologize, um, probably poorly, but I did. And, and, uh, that was the one and only time that I can remember that we just had it like, and it's because my husband was, he was always that go between. Mm -hmm. There was ever an issue. He would be the one to say, okay, this, your sister wife is having this issue. Um, you know, we got to deal with it. And so we would work it out. Wow. That way. And yeah. He, so he took the buffer, he took the brink, and, and in a lot of ways that was, I feel like it was really good. It was effective mm-hmm. in our family. Yeah. Very different from the family I grew up in, because again, my father was not that way. Okay. But. Yeah. Cool. So my next question um, that I'm just kind of thinking about is that now you are in a position where the sister wives are no longer involved. Right. Um, in one way or the other. So what's it like now for you having the, your husband to yourself? Good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely eye-opening in the regards to I didn't know what I didn't know. Oh, okay. Um, and your grandma, before she passed away, um, wanted so badly for me to have and I finally experienced what she wanted me to have, but it took her leaving mm. for me to have it. And that thing that she wanted for you was what exactly? She she had a relationship with him for 20 years before she entered the principal, and she and then she gave up. She essentially gave up her time with him to another woman. Yeah. And then to another woman. Mm. Yeah. Incredibly hard. I can't even imagine how she did that. Um, she's an incredibly selfless woman. Um, probably the most selfless woman I'd ever I've ever met. I I, she, I share that same sentiment. She wanted so badly for me to have a relationship with Rod that was just fantastic. Yeah. She wanted us to have a life where we could go out and travel and do what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. She wanted it equally for herself. Yeah. And didn't know how to make that happen for both of us. Yeah. And there was a lot of other factors involved too, besides, you know, having kids around and and having responsibilities and having, you know, health issues and everything Mm -hmm. else that was going on. Um but it wasn't until she passed away that I realized what she wanted Mm. for me. And it was like, wow. This is pretty incredible to have a really, I finally 
it was the first time I'd ever felt like I had a relationship with my husband. Mm. For in a weird sort of way. Yeah. So um, something that is striking me a little bit is the idea that you grew up with this uh, perception, this this thing where you were always going to be sharing. Mm-hmm. And then now you're encountering what your childhood is saying is not the right way to go, but you have arrived to that being okay and all that stuff. So what is that like to know that you're not, or does that feeling ever crop up of, um, is this the way that it should be? No, 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 no. that doesn't come up at all. Okay. No, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the circumstances that we have together, Mm -hmm. being together and, um, but there is definitely a sense of of loss. Yeah. That that you, I knew what I had with those sister wives, and they're mm. both gone, and yeah. So that was that was difficult. So that part of the situation is something that you miss. Yeah. Okay. I do miss that, um, but I also are really enjoying being alone with my husband. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just nice yeah it's so much less stressful yeah <laughs> i'd <would> say so <laughs> and i always when you're when you're a, a plural wife you always have a part of you that you reserve back what do you mean there's always a, a part of you that you even as much as you want something for yourself as much as you want to share something with your husband or whatever you know that okay he's with so-and-so tonight mm. so it's got to wait or oh okay or you don't want to say it because you don't want to rock a boat you don't want to hurt someone's feelings there you go when it's just the two of you the partnership complete the dynamic of the part that partnership changes he doesn't have to be careful what he says because he doesn't want to divulge one person's personal information information to you yeah and i don't have to be careful because i don't have to worry about you know hurting someone else's feelings we can just be completely open and yeah so it must be super liberating. It is. It's, yeah. But I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't <laughs> know what I was missing. Yeah. And that's what gave me so much admiration for your grandma, who she did know what she was missing. Oh. And she knew what she had had before and com- could compare it. And yet she still loved me. Yeah. She still wanted that for me. Yeah. But, you know, it was just one of those things where you... You take part of yourself and you just hold it, hold it back. Yeah. You're not, you're not able to be 100% in uh, the same way. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I've never heard of that perspective before. I've never heard of that. In my ignorant brain, I always think, yeah, I got this stuff figured out. I could do a podcast on it. <laughs> but it's all like those, those cool nuggets, you know. Yeah. That's so awesome to know that that's part of it. Yeah, and um, then, uh, leaving the religion behind was a whole nother, whole nother uh, solar system that we entered into. It was just, <laughs> that was so. When we left the religion, it was right around. It was right after the same time that all of the turmoil was happening with my dad. 
in the group. And being the, the council member that wasn't liked that much and, and that went, kind of thing? They went after him in messy, dirty ways. And um, it caused a complete ripple through my family, almost split my whole family apart, my mom's and dad's family. Yeah. Um, completely, like, to the point where... It, it literally split us apart. There was people taking my dad's side and people not taking my dad's side. And Within your dad's family? Within my dad's family. Like his wives and children? Yeah. It would was, you? How much would you be able to divulge about that situation? Just because I'm, I'm very, very curious. <laughs> well, I, I'm not the best person to ask about all the ins and details. Okay. Um, my, my, they essentially accused my dad of, of child molestation. Hmm. Um, and but they, these men, these men that, these men that were uh, making those accusations. So the men were making the accusations. The men in charge of the group were facilitating those accusations. Huh. And, okay. Um, and I knew that there, I knew their dirty tricks from long ago. When I got, when when Dad and I got, when. Rod and I got engaged. We went to have a conference with Owen Allred, who was the prophet. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you did the air quotes on that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, at that meeting, I hear I was 17 years old. And you're with your husband. And I'm with my fiance. We or your fiance, okay. We were engaged at the time. Okay. And you're meeting with the prophet. And my, I think my dad was there, maybe my mom. And he says, uh, and that's when he tells Rod, he goes, I have a letter from a woman accusing you of, great, of rape. Oh, to this, to my, my the guy I'm going to marry. And he's telling him that you, here's a letter that your husband's being, your future husband's being accused of rape. So how do you, okay, so, so this I, is really heavy because you, you're, grew up in this religion, you respect, I'm assuming respected and, and went with whatever the leaders went with and, and all that stuff. So here he is telling your fiance that he's a, being, you know, yeah, I have this letter of, of a lady accusing you of rape. What is that like for you in that moment? I knew it wasn't true. I knew it wasn't true. And I also knew the circumstances behind it. He, and he, course we had long conversations about it before and after mm-hmm. and um but i knew that that's the kind of tactics they pulled in fact during that same meeting if i recall correctly um owen even admitted that it wasn't the case he just like i'm not worried about it. he goes i want you to know i'm not worried about this and i'm still gonna marry you and all is good and everything else my parents were there they didn't seem concerned about it that seems really weird for him to was it that in the same meeting that he said that? Like, I had this letter of this lady well, accusing you? Well, he clearly gave us permission to get married, and he clearly... Well, it was separate from the two later on. Okay. Yeah, oh, no, it wasn't the same meeting. That okay. was different. Okay, okay, This okay. is just him and I, my parents and him. Okay. And I think his wife was in the other room. Um, so it was just... I knew from then that I'm like, okay, this is... These the guys guy. are acting real shady. They're shady. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that the the supposed letter from the person who wrote the letter um, 
had married a guy who I knew was shady. Um, and I knew that from another history that's a completely different rabbit hole. But, mm-hmm. um, so when they accused my dad of similar situations, it, like I said, it sent a complete shockwave through our family. But and for there was a so what what the deal was is they were telling these accusations against my dad were my older siblings who are 30 years older than I am who are suddenly claiming that they were they had repressed memories and that they were just now remembering that he abused them when they were kids okay and that and just, what year was this this was early 90s. Okay. And I, uh, I was confused. I was really confused. Um, but I'm I kind of a bull in the china shop. I made the mistake of calling up my mother on her anniversary and basically saying, you know, if this is the case, then I can't, t-. you know, I was basically disowning her over this. And she just, I'm sure it hurt her immensely yeah, when I did yeah. that. And I came back later and apologized, but... Um, I had these same men call Rod, my husband, and said, we think Nora was abused too. And he goes, well, what makes you think that? He goes, well, how do you know she's not been abused? And she just doesn't remember. Well, you could say anything happened then. And I'm like, whoa, maybe I have been abused and I don't remember. I'm like, what the crap? You know, and I start questioning myself. Okay, all right. And I'm like... The official term for that is called gaslighting, by the way. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's one of the most horrible forms of abuse you can do to somebody. After I said that to my mom and I just, you know, I actually went to see one of my family members who claimed to have been abused by him and listened to their story. And I, it's really hard when your sibling is telling you something and... Yeah. Um, and you have to decide whether they're telling you the truth or not, um, and to what level they're being deceived by whatever. I don't. I it was just such a confusing time. Mm-hmm. But I felt really fortunate because I went to Rod and I told him what I had told him my mom, and he says, "Nor you were wrong." He says, "You go back to your mom and you apologize." He says, "You never abandon your family." He said, "I don't care what they do; they're your family." And, and we'll get to the bottom of this, he says. And, and I says, Rod, do you think I've been abused? And he's like, no. He goes, I know. I don't have the slightest worry about that. Hmm. And I knew I didn't either because I also because the biggest blessing slash cursing of being innocent. Yeah. When I got married to Rod, I was 17, a virgin. Yeah. I didn't even know how I had sex. Didn't even know how it worked. Didn't know how it worked. He had to teach me. Oh. We got back from our honeymoon, and and he said, and then I went to my mom after that. I'm like, and I chewed her out. I'm like, Mom, why didn't you tell me? Tell me. That's <laughs> all worked. <laughs> she just, she's like, well, I figured you knew. Figured you. Oh, that's a whole nother discussion. That's <laughs> so a whole nother I'm like, discussion. But that just like, I'm like, how could I have been abused if if I didn't know all that? I mean, it was yeah. just like. Logic kicked in really strong. I'm like, no. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. So. Oh, my God. 
so this goes through with your dad, these accusations um, that are false. Yeah. Founded and, you know, fostered by these men who didn't appreciate your dad's personality and how he handled uh, being on the council, sticking up for himself, kind of turned into this mafia-esque Mm-hmm. smear campaign against your dad. Yep. Very much so. Wow. There's a lot of details I could, you know, go into, but um the bottom line is is my mom stuck by him. My mom knew. I asked one my mom one day. I said, "Mom, how how do you know? How do you know that dad didn't do those things that they're accusing him of?" She goes, "I just know the kind of man he is." He's, he, he's not, he's a good man. And she says, I know he's not in it. He, he is 100% into the principle for marriage because he believes it's the right thing to do. He goes, the sex is not even on the radar. He goes, and she says, I know that to him because she, she was married to him for, I don't know how length of time, six months maybe, before they even consummated the relationship. Oh, really? And, and what number of wife was your she mother? She was the second. She was the second wife? Okay. She goes, I just know he's not that kind of guy. I, she says, I know what they're telling me can't be true. Hmm. And, um, so all that stuff was happening so, at that time of you having your own, I mean, that also contributed to this tumultuous thing about being in the group or not. Yeah, and then at the same time going on all this, um, Besides, and then all the Virginia Hill case comes up, and that's mm-hmm. right when all the investigation was starting and going on. And and then I had, um, he, I had some personal, ins- I don't know what you'd call it, like a intuition. That were, were you having more dreams? No. <laughs> things were going to change, and I okay. knew it. And he, he so Rod is a studier, and you you know that. Mm-hmm. And he he started just he has an obsession with books, and I think that goes back to his, him being illiterate for so long. Mm-hmm. And he would come home with all these books, and one book after another. And sometimes I'd pick up his books and look at them, and sometimes I wouldn't. But he brought home a book about Joseph Smith and about his. Uh, it was it was a biography of all of his wives, oh. Joseph Smith's wives, and I read that biography, and it took every single wife and talked about them and and their history and yeah, the, and then the um, what they could really nail down as to whether or not he, the, the, whether it was a rumor they were married or whether they were or weren't, and I read that book and I I just thought oh my God you know this is not. There is definitely a line that that drew for me when I read about the guy that supposedly started all of this. Mm -hmm. And basically it boiled down to what is known as the uh, doctrine of um, spiritual whiffery. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no way. You didn't buy it. No way. Didn't buy it. The fact that you can be sealed to... A, a woman 
who's also married to another man mm-hmm. without that man's knowledge or permission or permission or well maybe not permission but well yeah permission is part of it but also like their no and blessing maybe yeah and and not to say and I have to be careful because there are people who believe that that is okay and the and they do that in the best way and however they come to that yeah and I'm not going to sit in judgment of that except that I didn't want it for myself I didn't. I for me, I I couldn't ever buy that, and um, so that was kind of the starting point. And then him being again the studier, he kind of led me along. He's like, uh, "What do you think about this scripture?" And he led me to some scripture where um, I I don't even know the, the which scripture it is, but he says, you know, um, you shouldn't swear by your throat. And you shouldn't swear by your, um, I can't remember, but I read that. I'm like, That's why, would we be com- why would we com- be commanded not to swear by our throats and everything? And that's exactly what we do when we go into the endowment house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, it's so just another a, thing. A I'm lot of like, holes were being poked through that sheet. A lot of holes were being poked through the sheet. Yeah. And not to shake hands. Yeah. So that was kind of the the tip. I, I knew we were on our way out. So when he he came home one day and he says um, he had some kind of experience where he and he ended up taking off the garment and um, I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm ready. Ready to leave. Let's do it. And he was shocked because he had three wives and he thought he was losing going to lose all three wives. And then he says, well, maybe. Maybe I'll they'll someone maybe I'll get one to stick with me, but he thought for sure I was gonna be the one to go because I was so entrenched in. I mean, like it was my whole lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It was my family's whole lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, I'm. I think I'm done. Done. Left. And so you leave. What was so, the the immediate? You know, did you make some official proclamation to your family of like this is a big announcement, or was it just kind of well? A, a, word gets out pretty quick when you take your garment off. Yeah, that's so because because if, <laughs> unless you continue to dress from wrist to ankle, ankle yeah. the minute you wear short sleeves outside, they're gonna. Oh know, man, it's it's a sign. Yep. So my mom confronted me, and I, I let her know, and I didn't do it in such a bad, a great way. I felt bad, and maybe I didn't consider her feelings more, but. Um. And I broke her heart in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about that. But um, she, my mom is just a saint in the fact that she tries really hard not to sit in judgment of anyone. Mm-hmm. She knows that everybody's got their journey to go and that we're all going to, we're all going to meet our maker one day and we'll have to account for ourselves. And she just, she says, I'm just glad I don't have to be the, be your judge. Yeah. I don't have, she doesn't have to take on that burden. And so she just loves us all. Yeah. And she said that she set such a huge example. And I think part of that has been because she at that time was also, so for us leaving the group, my, me and Rod leaving the group, I think the, the blow was less was softened because she was also being ostracized by the group. 
Your mom was? Yeah, for everything going on with my dad. With your dad, yeah. Because she stood by my dad. And there was a, and anybody who stood by my dad was ostracized. And so she didn't really have anything to tell me to come back to. She was like, I, I don't like what you're doing, Nora, but I know you got to do what you got to do. And she couldn't really tell me to go to church because she wasn't going to church. <laughs> yeah. Um, she knew that there were shady men at the helm. Yeah. And why would I? And she knew that we were also heavily involved in that shady, in, in bringing, she knew that Rod was involved in bringing down that shady helm. Yeah, yeah. With so, Virginia and, so there's and a all lot that of, stuff. A lot of uh, in-depth. There's so many things that contribute to your decision to leave or yeah. influence that. And yeah. just the situations that cropped up because of those decisions by other people as well. Whether yeah. it's choosing to embezzle a bunch of money or not. <laughs> and then Rod had enemies in the group and people. He had people that were still very kind to us even though we left. And we had people that were very unkind. And yeah. We had... Um, like they, they wanted to, there were some men that wanted to put Rod in jail and they were going to use me to do it. Oh my God. Um, they were going to use, and he knew that, Rod knew that, and that's one of the reasons why we decided to to move. Um, wow. Because um, I was 17 when we got married. Yeah. Technically, that's statutory rape. Yeah. And they were going to use that. That's really interesting and that they, they would decide to use that because there are numerous cases of that within the people who are the good and faithful. So all of a sudden they're using the statutory oh, rape the charge. People, they walked in with my with my daughter's birth certificate and gave it to the attorney general of that county. Yeah. Thank goodness the county we lived in wasn't interested. Yeah. But the other county, they he says. He, he just let Rod know. He said, if you lived in my county, I'd be putting you in jail right now. Whoa. Um, so you guys hightailed it out? Well, we started looking. We were looking anyway. We yeah. were wanting to get out. We were in the suburbs, and we just wanted to get out of the suburbs anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so life led us to where we are now, and that was a very difficult move to move away so far away from family. Yeah. Um. I remember after we got here, I had a night where um, I just sobbed. Yeah. I had never sobbed to that. I'm like, I mean, I sobbed as a kid when I would throw tantrums and stuff, <laughs> but um, it all came out. It all came out, and it was a lot of tough to do with my dad, and so everything kind of came to a head. It sounds oh, yeah. like, yeah. Whoa. But. Here you are. Here we are. Here you are, and you're happy, and you got a nice dog, and you got a full fridge, and everything's good. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so Definitely. much for sitting down with me. Yeah. This has been amazing. Well, I admire what you're doing. Oh, uh, thank you. You're very people, kind. Letting people tell their stories, and you have an amazing ability to listen. Oh, thanks. It's, uh, it involves a lot of shutting up, so well. <laughs> it's super easy for me. <laughs> I just don't have to talk. <laughs> but thanks again. You want to end it there? Yep. All right, cool. Oh, 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 oh,